Amen, amen, amen. I want to welcome you into our midweek Bible study right here at Liberty Christian Church International. Do me a favor, go ahead and share this with about 10 people on your page. We're going to get started in a second. It is an awesome time. It is an awesome day. I pray that you all are prepared. I pray that you all have had a wonderful day today, um, whether it was work, whether it was school, whatever it may have been. But do me a favor. This is Bible study. So grab your Bibles, your cell phones, your iPads, whatever you may have. Uh, grab you some paper and grab you some pens or a pencil, whatever you may use. Um, let's get ready to get into the Word of God. We're going to open up with some prayer. I'm going to give you about two more minutes real quick just to invite somebody in, just to get your hearts and your minds ready. We're going to go before the throne of grace in prayer. Um, once again, share it for me on your page. This has been a fabulous week so far. It's a lot of exciting things that we're doing here at Liberty Christian Church, and I just want you to be prepared and be aware of what we're doing. Um, we're not in the church on this evening. Uh, sorry to say, but Pastor, got to get to work on this evening right after Bible study. So we're going to have, we got our virtual studio set up, and I'm excited about this. I'm excited about this word. Um, I want us to jump into a prayer in a second. Um, so if all hearts and minds are prepared, I promise you I won't hold you any more uh, longer than we have to. Amen. So um, let's go before the throne of grace uh, in prayer. Uh, once again, while I'm praying, go ahead and share this with about three people or just devote your total time and your mind to prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for today. We thank you, God, for your presence. We thank you, God, for your holiness. We thank you, God, for your righteousness. We thank you, God, for your word. Now, God, as we prepare to dive into your word to draw closer to you, God, as you continue to make us kingdom-building disciples, um, teaching and preaching the word of God, um, delivering the captives, setting the captives free, uh, grabbing and getting into right relationship with you, we thank you, God, for all that you've done for us, God. We ask you, God, right now to forgive us of all of our sins, sins of admission and sins of omission, sins against your word, your plan, and your uh, purpose for our life, God. Now, God, take this time that we have set apart to be with you and let it be pleasing in your sight. Hide this, your servant, behind the cross that the people will see none of me, but they will see all of thee. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, you are my strength and my redeemer. We worship you, God. We magnify your name, God. We bless your holy name. It is you that we serve. We thank you for your son, Jesus, that died on Calvary's cross that allowed us to become heirs and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. So we thank you for his life. We thank you for the shed blood. We thank you for the purpose. We thank you for the death and the resurrection. And God, more importantly, we thank you because you said you loved us. And so God, we honor you with the word, with the fruits of our lips and the words of our heart. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Like I said, welcome to Liberty Christian Church International. I'm just excited about this evening. I'm excited about what we're doing here at Liberty. I'm excited about the place that God has taken us and what God is doing with us. Um, what God is doing with us as here as a ministry as we begin to move and operate in the prophetic. Um, I just thank God that he is allowing revelation to be revealed. Um, 
I thank you that I thank God that he's just doing an amazing thing with us individually and corporately. Um, we ask we're asking God to to continue us to sing, send us the increase that we need to carry out the kingdom assignment. Amen. Um, to carry out his kingdom mandate in the earth. And we want to make sure that we are um preparing one another for evangelism, for discipleship, um, to draw the captive and set the captives free. The word declares that we ought to go into the earth and make disciples of all men, first starting here in Jerusalem and then Judea and then to the othermost parts of the earth. So we're just excited about how God is transitioning us and calling us forward into this. Um, we've been talking about the prophetic and the characteristics of prophetic people. Um, I want to continue that, and but real quick, if you have your Bibles, your cell phones, whatever you you may have lift them up for me and let's make our bible decoration and repeat after me lord i thank you that i have a bible it is my personal copy of god's purpose god's plan and god's design for my life therefore i am a believer and not a doubter i'm not just a hearer but i'm also a doer and my life has been better after hearing the word of the living god in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Listen, this is Bible study. The Bible says to study to show thyself approved a workman who need not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of God. That word, that major word there is rightly dividing the word of God. Um, and to study to show thyself approved. So tonight, like I said, we're going to continue to jump ahead um, where we are. I'm going to give you our uh, foundational text. But this is what we're going to talk about like once again, realizing the prophetic gift in you. And once again, it's dealing with the characteristics of the prophetic people, you and I, those that God has been speaking to, revealing things to, um, not just on a microphone on Sunday, uh, a, a word of um, exhortation, whether it's the right word in the right season, whether it's um, whether it's being uh, uh, being able to speak prophetically about the foreknowledge that God is giving you about events or things taking place, um, something that may minister to somebody that you that God has placed on your heart and you don't know what they're going through, but that time that God speaks to you to speak to them, how we're developing that, how we're identifying uh, the, the characteristics, the mindset, and all of these things of the prophet, um, the prophetic person. Um, it's a difference between the, the office of the prophet and those that operate in the prophetic. God can use who he wants. His Holy Spirit has been released in the earth. We know our scripture tells us that in the last days that, uh, that God will pour out his spirit um, upon, among men and old men will dream dreams and young men will have visions. Um, uh, uh, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing that real quick, but just making sure that you know that God is in this season where he is releasing. We know that we're in this uh, 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 end day time. Uh, we don't know the day nor the time where the Son of God will return when Jesus Christ will come, but we know he is to return and um, we're in that we're in that season and in that realm where we are uh, seeing last day events or end time events begin to take place, whether it's over in Israel and the conflict that they're going through, whether we're seeing uh, earthquakes and and storms and things in diverse places. Um, we're seeing these things begin to manifest more and more and more. So the one thing that we have to make sure that we're doing is making sure that our relationship, first and foremost, is right with Christ. Amen. Is 
right with God, that we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that we have confessed our sins, we've confessed our mouth. But not only do we confess, but we have to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. It said, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so uh, while we're doing that, we're also moving and operating and, uh, and, and realizing our gifts. Um, God has poured out his gifts among his people. Um, and how he uses his people is at his own will. We have no uh, say-so in how God uses us. We have no authority to tell God that he's using somebody the wrong way or how does this person have this gift and this person have operate and function in this gift. But we know that the gifts are to edify the body. Amen. It's to draw the body together, not divide the party apart. Uh, the, the hands can't do the things that the eyes can do. The eyes can't do the things that the feet can do. So we all have gifts in the body of Christ. We all have functions. We all have uh, operations in the body of Christ. Um, the things that we see on the outside, it's crazy to say this, but they're not even the major parts because it takes something on the inside to cause those outward things to manifest or to operate. Amen. So while we see the hands having, uh, 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 having a major influence, the hands can't function if the heart doesn't beat. Amen. And the, and the feet can't move if the lungs don't compress, uh, 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 compress and breathe in and breathe out. Amen. The, we can't speak without the brain functioning. So we're making sure that we are operating according to what God has called us and how God has called us to operate. So I want to look at this. I said before, one of the major things that um, when you're operating in the prophetic is that you realize the seasons and the times that we're in. Amen. So I gave us our foundation scripture and we're going to look at it real quick. First Chronicles, the 12th chapter, looking at the 32nd, uh, the 32nd through the 35th verse. Um, actually, the 32nd. Uh, just the 32nd verse. Amen. I didn't put it all up on this evening, but it reads as this reading from the New King James Bible. Uh, we're going to use two different Bibles tonight, by the way, but it says of the sons of Issachar who had understanding of what the times to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200 and all their brethren were at their command. These men uh, had understanding and foreknowledge of what was taking place. They read and God was revealing to them how they should proceed, how they should fight, how they should war. Um, and, it, and it wasn't the same way that they had warred before. But he gave, the, he gave the sons of Issachar the foreknowledge and the understanding of what needed to be done in this day and age. God is releasing right now the foreknowledge or the, the revelation of what he wants to be done right now. Amen. How we're to war against the enemy. How we're to... Uh, combat his tactics, combat what he says, combat how he's trying to influence this generation and this society. He has given us a mandate and he's revealing to us because God does not leave us out there blind. Amen. God does not just leave us out there to fend for ourselves, but he's constantly revealing himself and constantly revealing the weapons that we're to use. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And I said this before that too often times do we get into wanting to fight a spiritual battle with carnal weapons. You can't fight the 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 the, the demons and principalities and wickedly for, and forces in wickedly high places. You can't fight them with your fists. 
not these fists anyway. You have to be girded up. You have to fight spiritually. You have to make sure you have the helmet of salvation on, the breastplate of righteousness. Your feet are shod with the gospel of peace. Your uh, loins are girded about with what? Truth. You have the sword, which is the word of God. So you have to prepare yourself to battle with your spiritual weapons more than your physical abilities. Your spiritual weapons will guide your spirit, will guide your physical abilities into the right place. But you have to submit your spirit to the will of God. So now I want us to jump. I told you I'm, I'm just giving you our foundation. If you look at Galatians 5 verses 13. 13 through 26, it says this, and, I, and you know I love the beginning of this scripture. It says, for you, brethren, matter of fact, go ahead and grab that, uh, open that up in your Bible for those of you that are joining us for the first time. Go ahead and open that up in your Bible real quick, because I want to make sure you have that. Uh, Galatians 5 verses 13 to 26, and it says again, for you, brethren, have been called to what? Liberty. What do I mean? You've been called to freedom. You've been called to be set apart. You are not bound by the enemy's tactics. You're not bound by the enemy's plan. You are set apart for a purpose and for an assignment. He said, for you have been called to liberty. That means you didn't just stumble upon it. God called you by name. He called you by, your, by who he knew you to be and said, no, you're not called to live in bondage. You're not called to live in, uh, uh, with the guilt of sin. You're not called to that, but I called you to liberty. Somebody say, I'm called to liberty. Listen, um, only do not use liberty. Do not lose your freedom. Do not use me separating you. Do not use you having kingdom authority. Do not use liberty as the opportunity to, for the flesh. But through love, serve what? One another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, get this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Oftentimes we, we struggle with this because we have not properly learned how to love ourselves. We've grown up in a society that's constantly talking about the negative that we forget that we are created in God's image and in his likeness. And God does not make a mistake when he creates us. He does not, he did not make a mistake when he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. But the problem is because we fed ourselves so much negativity, we can't see how a God that gave his son to die for us can love a wretch like us. Well, that's because you keep on attaching that word wretch to you. See, when you became a child of God, you were released from your wretch status. You have become, you're no longer a wretch, but you're an heir and a joint heir. You're no longer broken, but you're loved by the beloved. Amen? You are no longer a problem child, but you are created fearfully and wonderfully in his image. Even down to the sins you committed, he gave you life and gave you that more abundantly. So he forgave you. He washed your slate clean. He did this. Guess, get, get this. He took the book 
that the enemy had about you, took the pages out of that book, and then wrapped them in the pages or in the cover that said Jesus Christ. And then he took who Jesus Christ was and placed it into the pages of your book. So now when the enemy tries to open up the book about you to, to, uh, to, to bring uh, the accusations against you, every page he turns is a reflection of Jesus Christ. That just set somebody free right there. When the enemy takes the book before God and says, do you, uh, 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 do you remember Deaconess Tansy? Yeah, I know she's supposed to be a de deaconess, but I got this book about her. And then he opens up the book and says, hold on, this must not be the right book. Because when he opened up the book, he didn't see Deaconess Tansy. He saw the Christ that's in her. When he opened up the book about Kevin, he didn't see Kevin. He saw the pages of each page he turned look like a duplicate of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He didn't see Sarah Higginbotham. He saw the pages that looked like the representation of Jesus Christ. That's a good place to praise if we, was, if we was in certain. Matter of fact, that's just a good place to praise right now. Simply because when the enemy takes the book of you, the book that he's compiled, all the mess that you've gone through, all the things that you've experienced, he took that and when he and Christ said, no, matter of fact, I'm going to unbind that because he, they are no longer bound by what's in those pages. And I'm going to bind my own self, my son in those pages. And you can't do anything about it, Satan. Yeah. So so we see that it says for the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse number 15, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. I'm going to keep going. I say then, guess what? Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. God, but I, I, I struggle with this. Are you establishing or surrendering all of your fleshly desires over to the spirit of God? God, I'm trying. I, I, and when you say you're trying, when you say, God, I've given it over to you, God says, I understand your struggles. He said, I understand that, and I'm not leaving you by yourself. I understand what you're going through, and I'm here for you, and I'm here with you. Verse number 17 says, for the flesh lust against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Get this. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the what? The law. Get this. Now, the works of the flesh, I'm going to run through this because we've talked about this week after week which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissension, heresies, envy, murderers, drunkenness, revealers, uh, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such 
things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite scriptures in, uh, in, in Proverbs says this. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the holy is understanding. To get the, the to, to understand that, for the fear of the Lord, that word fear means that 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 it's it is translated, the Hebrew text is translated to mean to honor God. How do we honor God? To it so the honor of God is wisdom. How is wisdom? Because we gain knowledge by reading his word. When we read his word and we apply it to our life, it's not just knowledge. It becomes wisdom because wisdom is the application of knowledge. So when he tells us what sins are, when he tells us that, that th these are the things that the flesh lusts after, we have to take a mental inventory. We also, if we need to, need to write it down in the physical so that we can constantly go back and examine ourselves, not against that, but guess what? We examine it by the fruits of the Spirit because we already were, when we were born into sin and shaped into iniquity, we had an understanding of what these things were. But getting ourselves recalibrated, getting our mindset reset and renewed, Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech thee, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, acceptable and holy, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but what? Be ye transformed. How do you do it? By the renewing of your mind. Our mind has to be renewed. Our mind has to be rebooted. Our, our system has to be reset, which is supposed to be done when you're baptized and you go down in the water. That old man died. It's like a computer reset. So when you come out the water, you're supposed to come out with a reboot. And oftentimes, do we not uh, realize that we have been rebooted, but we allow ourselves to remain controlled by the viruses? Yeah, I, I, I said a whole lot right there. But get this, Galatians 5 and 22 said, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. He's saying, listen, if you got these things, there, had, there, there, need, there does not need to be a control over those areas of your life because I've given you that so that you can be my light in the earth. And if you're my light in the earth, then you're going to operate and function with such things. You operate with goodness and gentleness and self-control and meekness and joy and peace. I don't want to control that. I want you to spread that. There is no need for me to control those things because I need them to be spread out in this, uh, in this day and age where there are so many negative things. So I don't have to worry about it being uh, something that's operated uh, that I have to control because if I got to control it, then, I, then it does not fulfill the purpose that I released it to do. Amen? Amen. 
So now, if you jump, if you continue on and it says, and those who are Christ have crucified what? The flesh with its passions and desires. Yeah, so that means you've given it to Christ while he was on the cross. Listen, I, I know what I struggle with, God. How many people ever have that real conversation with God? God, I know what I struggle with. God, I've, I've been struggling with this for a long time. And, 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 but here it is. I'm bringing it to you. You said cast my cares upon you and take your yoke upon me, for your yoke is easy and your burden is light. You said, Christ, that there is no temptation known to man, that God is not giving you a way of escape. So, God, here's my temptation. God, you know that I can't put down uh, uh, for those who drink. I can't put down the bottle. Here it is, God, my temptation. My, my flesh has desired after this thing for so long. God, you know, for, for, those, for, for those men or women who have a, a, a pornography addiction, God, you know my addiction. You know what I'm struggling with. You know my temptation. Here it is, God. I, I've been struggling with this. It was introduced to me. And, and, and from the moment it's been introduced to me, my flesh has desired it. But I'm bringing it to you, God, because I can't deliver myself. And I need your healing hand. I need your anointing. I need your power. I need you who said you would never leave me nor forsake me. I need you to see me while I'm dealing with my temptations. For those people who spend too much money, God, my temptation is I spend too much money. God, my temptation is I can't stop uh, uh, fornicating. God, my whatever your temptation is, you have to be willing to give it to God and give it to Christ while he's, while he's nailed up on the cross. Because as he's nailed to the cross, he's taking all of your sins and grabbing hold of it. God, I'm envious of my neighbor. God, I'm jealous of this person at my job. I've been trying to fight it. I've been trying to deal with it but God I just can't get over it God I'm, I'm angry at, at the parents that left me and abandoned me God I'm hurt because uh, uh, because I got three kids and and, and three uh, separate kids dads and and, and, and I'm and I'm lost I'm hurt I'm going through this and I, and I just need you God to, to 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 touch me I need to give it to you God I don't know who I'm dealing with because this what, what I'm saying to you is not in my notes, but I'm, 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 I'm sensing that there are people that are going through experiences and they're trying to realize what do I have to do to get over it? And Christ said, are you giving it to me while I'm on the cross? Because I said I would take it on me. I would take all your sins away. And because before I even closed my eyes, I declared it is finished. And somebody needs to know right now that I know you're struggling. I know you're going through. I know it seems like a burden that you won't, that you, that you got to carry yourself. But God said, no, give it to me because it is finished. And I need you to come into agreement. I need you to realize that your that that all of it is finished. If you submit it to his will, if you submit it to him on the cross, his blood shed so that you can have life. So not only that, we're going to continue with this scripture. It says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in what? 
in the spirit. Let us not become conceited. Mm. Let us not become, I'm going to say that again, become conceited, provoking one, one another, envying one another, but let us operate in love. So what are we doing? What are we dealing with on this evening? I'm glad you said it. Look, when we're talking about the characteristics of the prophet, of, of the, those that are prophetic, I gave you, uh, uh, we've already dealt with three things, and then we're going to jump in, or dealt with two things, and we're going to jump into the third thing tonight. If you're taking notes, the first thing that we dealt with was the, the, those that are prophetic and how they have a need to express themselves. I love, I, I love one of our prophetic people that are in the ministry, um, uh, 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 Jacqueline. She, she constantly opens up and reveals what God is speaking to her. And it's so profound because it's not just for her, but it applies for a lot of us. And a lot of us, if we really, if we took the time out to just get to a quiet space, get to a place of, of just submission to hear God's voice, we would realize that God is speaking to us in a major way. Amen? So now, it's not even just that the need to express themselves. It's also this. They make quick impressions of people. Amen? Quick impressions of people. Those that operate in the prophetic, get this, make quick impressions of people. They're able to see, they're able to, to know, uh, uh, to discern the spirit around them, and, and they, they, they move in such a way that it's, it, it, it opens up, um, it opens up dialogue, but it also keeps them from certain environments if they allow the spirit to lead them. So tonight, I want to deal with this. The, the char this characteristic um, should help and get some people uh, out of some situations. A lot of times, um, those who operate in, in the prophetic um, have a, a keen awareness or discernment and alertness to dishonesty. To dishonesty. Not just dishonesty, but dishonest people. If, if you be truthful with yourself, um, at, there have been times that the people that you're around, um, that, that you know um, are doing certain things in life, um, things that are not uh, honest, things that, are, things that are in nature, just complete, let's be honest, completely dishonest things. Your spirit is convicted but a lot of times we stay around because of relationship or because our flesh is seeking after something. But uh, to have an alertness to dishonesty, let's first define what alertness is. Alertness is being fully aware and attentive, wide awakened, or keen. It also means a warning or alarm of an impeding military attack. An impeding or military attack. So 
an alertness for those that are operating the prophetic is just like that scripture in, in First Chronicles where it talked about the sons of Issachar. There is an alertness about the warfare that you're that that you're that you're coming in contact with. You have an alert, a keen sense of the danger ahead. You have an alertness about certain people you're around. You can walk into an, a, an environment or into a, a room full of people, and if the room is not right, your spirit won't be settled. And your spirit won't get settled until either you're out of that room or you begin to intercede while you're in that room. Somebody, somebody grab that. You, or you begin to intercede while you're in that place. Either you have to go or you begin to pray. Why? Because your spirit is connected to God. And if God is not the, 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 the does not have sovereign dominion over that place, either it's time to go or it's time to give that place the authority that it needs. When you come into your house, you know if you're, you, you can sense that something has been going on wrong in your own home and you begin to pray. You don't know the type of music your kids had playing in that house. What was released in that house? You don't know what uh, you don't know what has taken place in that house while you were gone. But you know that the spirit of God that dwells on the inside of you is not comfortable there because something else has been given temporary dominion. So the so 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 the the thing that you have to do is begin, like I said, either you leave the environment or you begin to intercede in the environment. You have an alertness to the danger, the alertness to the impeding military attack. You have a keen sense. Um, you, you also, uh, uh, it, it also is uh, an alertness of a storm coming up. That that's you know on the news there are uh, uh, people who um, predict storms based upon weather patterns, stuff that they see. Um, they gather a bunch of facts, and then they release the weather forecast for three days, five days, seven days, depending on how much information they've gathered or what it seems like the trend is in a certain place. Do you realize that when you operate in the prophetic, God does the same thing to you? He releases the information. He releases everything that you need to be prepared to come against the storms coming up. Oftentimes, we overlook the ingredients we see starting to take place in our life. We overlook them as isolated events instead of realizing that the events are building to a major storm. But I'm here to tell you that we got to begin to listen to the voice of God so that now we can sit there and begin to war 
properly with the things of God. He begins to release and reveal our next season, even while we're in the season that we're at. When you see a farmer, get this, when a farmer uh, harvests his crop, he knows that he cannot just live off of what he harvested in this season, but he has to begin to prepare for the next season coming up. In order for him to have sustained success, in order for him to keep feeding his family, he always has to be planting more seed in the next season. He doesn't just live off of the seed from one good season. Too often do we as men and women of God live off the good of one season and then we get blindsided because we did not plant seeds while we were in a harvest. We didn't plant the next set of seeds. So when the harvest runs out, then we begin to go through hell and go through our storms and we're not prepared. Then we're like, God, well, why didn't you warn me? Well, God said, I already gave you the foreknowledge that if you planted seeds and you're harvesting into it now, why wouldn't you plant more seed so you can harvest then? Yeah, somebody, some, somebody grab hold of that. So, so being alert is a readiness or a caution. Before, guess, get this, you see it at the bottom of your screen, before a what? An expected attack. We're not, God is not surprised by anything the enemy does. That's why he can have foreknowledge of every plan of the enemy. That's why from the moment that Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, that he already had the, the, the plan in action for us to be redeemed by his son, Jesus Christ. He's not surprised. So we got to stop allowing our, our, our physical attributes to supersede what God is speaking to our spiritual uh, mentality. I'm going to keep going. So we understood the definition of alertness. Now let's jump into the definition of dishonesty. Dishonesty is the lack of honesty, a disposition to guess what? Lie, cheat, or steal. A disposition, meaning that your attitude constantly is in this place that you that that all you think or all you and all you do is either lie, cheat, or steal. Or get this, or you're a fraud. Not only that. I need you to grab hold of this. So a prophetic person should have a discerning spirit that finds itself uncomfortable in the company of dishonesty and dishonest people, places, or things. That person who operates prophetically, that God is speaking to you, that, God, that God's spirit is leading and guiding you. Because he's your comforter, he's your friend, he's your guide. Yeah, he, he's your intercessor, he's your lawyer. He's all of these things. And he reveals to our spirit because he's in, when we're in communication, if he's leading and guiding us, then, then it, it, it becomes this thing that, that I can hear outside right now, sirens. It, it should go up when, when, when you're entering into a place 
that's not conducive of the Spirit of God, there should be sirens going in or going off so that you can begin to war spiritually. When the sirens go off, whether it's in your own home, whether it's on your job, whether it's dealing with your children, whether it's dealing with your spouse, whether it's dealing in the church, you have to be, uh, uh, you have to be listening intently to the voice of God so that you can understand the warfare that's needed in the season, the time, the place that you're in. Teaching this thing tonight. Amen. Join, join, join with me real quick, because I, I want you to see um, probably the biggest act of, uh, uh, of a prophetic person um, not uh, alertness to dishonesty, how the Holy Spirit revealed. Everybody knows this story. Jump over to Acts 5 for me, verses 1 through 10. Acts 5, verses 1 through 10. Somebody put that in the chat for me. Amen? We got about 20 minutes. I'm going to try to get through this. I'm, uh, it should not take me long. But get this, reading from the, uh, actually I'm reading this from the Message Bible. So, so this is probably the one time that, you, that, that I've used the Message Bible this year, or probably in the last two years. But I'm reading from the Message Bible because I want you to be able to hear this plainly. It says this, but a man named Ananias and his wife, Sapphira, conniving in this with him. Sapphira was in joint cahoots with Ananias sold a piece of land, secretly kept part of the price for himself, and then brought the rest to the apostles and made an offering of it. Well, the first thing that I, I, I'm going to hold on real quick. The first thing in, uh, in this verse that most people say, well, why, would, why did they secretly hold off some money of something that they sold of their own when they didn't have to they didn't have to uh, uh, secretly hold anything. It was their property. They sold their property. I, I want you to keep that thought. Verse number three and four says, Peter said, Ananias, how did Satan get, to you, get, to, uh, get you to lie to the Holy Spirit and secretly keep back part of the price of the field? The Bible doesn't say that Ananias went in there and, said, and, and, and just confessed. The Bible said that when Ananias brought the money to the apostles that Peter immediately discerned the dishonesty. And he checked them on it. He questioned him about it. He said, how did you allow, how did Satan get you to lie to the Holy Spirit and secretly keep, uh, keep back part of the price of the field? Could you imagine Ananias' face? When, when, when Peter said this to him, I'm going to keep going. He said, before you sold it, it was all yours. And after you sold it, get this, the money was yours to do with as you wished. He said, so what got you into, what got into you to pull a trick like this? What was the trick? He he, he secretly said it, and I guess when he got to the apostles, he told the apostles, I sold my land, and I'm giving it all to, I'm giving it all to y'all. I'm giving everything, because what it seems like is that he was more concerned with the prestige of the offering or the sacrifice that he was saying he made 
that he wanted it to be seen or, or he wanted the story to be told about him. Oh, Ananias gave away all his possession, gave he sold his land and he dedicated it for the cause of Jesus Christ. But in the process, he realized probably how much he got for the land. And in his mind, he said, you know what? They won't know if I just keep a little bit. I'll just give them what I deem is the proper value for my land, and I'll keep the rest. He goes on to say, the money was yours to do with as you wish. So what got into you to pull a trick like this? You didn't lie to men, but you lied to God. The men would not have known the difference. But the revelation of it, the prophetic revelation of the Holy Spirit to Peter at that moment said that this was a lie. Ananias, when he heard those words, get this, he fell down dead. That put the fear of God into everyone who heard of it. The Bible didn't say that Peter killed him. The Bible didn't say the apostles grabbed him, shook him up, somebody stabbed him, somebody hit him up, they stoned him. No, the Bible says that when he heard the word, he fell down and died. At that moment, because he lied to the Holy Spirit, the recourse was that he died. And it made everybody else fear him. But get this. Then it says, the younger men went right to work and wrapped him up. They carried him out and buried him. Not more than three hours later, his wife, knowing nothing of what had happened, came in. Peter said, tell me, were you given this price for your field? Yes, she said, that price. I think at that moment, Sapphira probably had some kind of thought, why is he asking me, is that I ain't seen my husband in three hours. I'm going to come in there, I'm going to see where he at. He probably in there enjoying some time. They probably giving him a parade. They probably uh, exalting him. They're probably doing all of this. So now I'm going to go see what's going on there. She gets there. Peter said, tell me, were you given this price? At that moment, I believe she, she had a choice because the line of questioning that Peter gave her meant that he needed clarification. Have you ever been in a situation and you've told a lie about it and the person knew or, or, or it seemed as if the person knew that you were lying? And they gave you another opportunity to come clean. What did you do? Did you lie and continue to lie? Or were you able to realize that the same thing that God does with us gives us opportunity to confess our sins? Or say, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I did this. I did that. We do it with our kids all the time and then don't understand how God knows what we do. That's a word right there. 
Oftentimes, you know when your kids are telling lies to you. You've seen the evidence. You've seen the, 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 the handprint from the cookie jar. You know who likes certain cookies. You know who likes certain juice in the house. You know who eats certain chicken a certain way. And when you see something out of place, you know who did it, but you want them to confess. So you call them and everybody says, I don't know did it. I have never met a house where I don't know lives. But he's sure enough, I mean, matter of fact, I've never met I don't know. But he sure got a room in every single person's house. Every parent that know that every per, every parent that knows that I don't know lives in your house. Somebody typed that in the in, in the message. <laughs> I don't know always seems to be the culprit, but then when you begin to pull out the evidence, then what you hear is, "Well, I didn't mean to do it." Or it happened this way. Or, uh, or then the excuse comes. Well, this one did this, and this one did this, and this is why I did this, and this is why I did that. Because the conviction presented with the evidence now says you got to come clean. Those who operate prophetically are alert to the evidence of the dishonesty, and they're able to discern it a lot quicker than a lot of other people have. I'm going to go ahead and read the, finish reading the text. Verses 9 and 10 says this. Peter responded, what's going on here that you, that you connived to conspire against the spirit of the master? The men who buried your husband are at the door and you're next. The crazy part is, they didn't just convict Sapphira. She continued the lie. And it cost her her life. She could have gone on about her business had she just told the truth when Peter asked her. But she chose not to. And so she ended up losing her, her life. In verse number 10, it says, No sooner were the words out of his mouth that she, than she also fell down dead. When the younger men returned, they found her body. They carried her out and buried her beside her husband. One of the, 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 the most profound stories about dishonesty, about lying, is right here. You need a story to tell your kids? about lying and how to stop lying, tell them this, tell them this. Because what? Get this. A prophetic person should have a discerning spirit that finds itself uncomfortable in the company of dishonesty and dishonest people, places, or things. That was my first point for this, for, for, for this evening. You should be un uncomfortable around people that just live in a life of dishonesty. Yes, the Bible talks about how Jesus had dinner with the tax collectors, the publicans. We know that Jesus uh, delivered uh, uh, 
the, the, the prostitutes. We know Jesus came in contact with those that were possessed with demons. But guess what? When Jesus met these people, their lives changed. Not Jesus, but their lives changed. The God that lives on the inside of you, as he speaks prophetically about the places you go to, this is not a word or this is not an opportunity for you to conform to the people you're around. When God begins to speak to you, you have to begin to relay his word no matter what. Listen to this. You cannot allow your personal feelings to alter the revelation of a sinful nature. But you must operate in love nevertheless. As you move prophetically, you have to allow the spirit that operates on the inside of you to, re uh, to reveal the sinful nature of yourself and those around you. Now, when you're dealing with those around you, you have to be able to address it, but not address it in hate, but in love. You got the Bible said the greatest of all these is love. When we operate and function in love, we begin to see the manifestations of God better. Not only that. My second point is this. You cannot spend so much time. This is the characteristics of dealing with those who are prophetic. You cannot spend so much time denouncing the sin you discover that it becomes overkill. I'm going to say that again. You cannot spend so much time denouncing the sin you discover that it becomes overkill. Yes, you've identified the sin. But everybody does not have to know what you discovered. Oh, did you know this one did this? And then you run down, to, you run to the next person that's standing right next to them. Did you know that this person did this? Did you know that this person got caught doing this? This person got, got caught doing that? Now it's not your, your and, and I discovered it. God revealed it to me. You're not, you, God has not gifted you with this prophetic gift to be boastful. He did not gift you prophetically for it to be overkill. Get this, you address the sinner concerning the sin, offer prayer with the sinner, and then you focus on an atmosphere for repentance. I'm going to say that again. You address the sinner concerning the sin. Somebody say, I address the sin. You offer a pray, you offer prayer with the sinner. But after that, you stop focusing on the sin and you focus on creating an atmosphere for repentance to show them that God loves them, that God accepts them when they repent of their sin, and that they can be set free and not bound by their sin. Yeah. And the last thing you do is realize this, that sometimes there can be misuse of 
that, uh, uh, that alertness of dishonesty. How can there be a misuse of it? It's right there. Those who operate in the prophetic tend to expect immediate repentance regardless of whether their rebuke was given in love. And I'm going to pause right there real quick. Just because you say it to them does not mean they're going to receive it when it does not come in love. Oh, I'm going to say it the way I need to say it. They got, no. God gave you a gift to discern something, to be able to bring uh, bring awareness to somebody that God is looking at them and that they're living in a life of sin. But if you're not operating and functioning and rebuking that sin with the love of God, if you're not rebuking that sin with the grace of God, if you're not rebuking that sin with the mercy of God, then you're going to do nothing but turn the sinner with a deaf ear away from you. We have to begin to operate and function more in love. The prophetic is a God's love and caring for us that he cared about us, loved us so much that the actions that follow his love was that he gave us awareness about what happens in the earth. The action of love releases the prophetic ability. The action of love gives us the authority to rebuke those who are in sin. The action of love allows us to speak to someone going down the wrong path, speak to a group of people headed in the wrong direction, and begin to love them so that not that they do a 360, but that they do a 180 and they come back into alignment and in agreement with what the Word of God says. That's what operating and functioning in the prophetic does. While you have an alertness for dishonesty, you have the love to be able to apply that alertness in the right way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. But I don't want to love them. They, they just so, no, for God so loved the world. And if I say I'm a child of God, I have to love like God loves. But they just nasty. I need to tell them about themselves. For God so loved the world. You don't understand. This is just the way that I communicate. Well, you have to learn a new communication. You have to begin to speak as if, or, or not even as if, you have to begin to speak with the voice of God. So we, we've learned so far, we, we've learned these characteristics so far, amen? And we learned that first, the prophetic, those that operate prophetically, need to express themselves. Then not only that, that they make quick impressions of, 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 of people. And then they have an alertness to dishonesty.
All of that is done simply so that we can be kingdom ambassadors. Not to walk around gloating and boastful, but to walk around humble with humility. Because at some point, someone needed to help, someone needed to bring the grace of God, the love of God, and the purpose of God, and the mercy of God into our life and rebuke us for some things that we've done. If all hearts and minds are full, let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this evening, God. We ask, God, that this word right now fall on fertile soil, that the seeds that you've been planting concerning the prophetic, that, God, you have your way, you have your authority, and you have your dominion. Allow the seeds to take root, allow the seeds to grow, allow the seeds to be planted properly so that you can get the glory out of it. God, continue to discern to your babes. Send revelation to your babes so that we may be able to discern the season, the time, and the place that we are. We submit our will, our authority, and our purpose to you, God. Now, God, if there's anybody under the sound of my voice that does not know you, your saving help, your blood, the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, on Calvary's cross. I ask God that you introduce yourself to them right now. If there's somebody who's been backslidden, separated themselves from you, God, let them realize that your word declares that nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Not death, not life, not powers, not principalities. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. But it's time to come back into agreement with your will for our life. We thank you, God, that from this evening, people are being healed, people are being set free, that this word is being followed by signs, miracles, and wonders in the lives of your people. God, we ask right now that you pour into liberty a special anointing to receive those that have been broken, those that have gone through, those that are going through, those that are yearning for a, a, a right relationship with you. That's not built on religion. That's not built on anything but a relationship with you. We submit ourselves to your will, your authority, and your purpose. It is in Jesus' name we pray. The name that is above all other names. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Listen, if you are in the DMV, I want you to join us Sunday. Join us as uh, uh, for our 4.30 service. People say, well, why is your service so late in the afternoon? Listen, a lot of people Sunday morning have made the, made, made the statement, I'm rushing, I'm rushing, I'm rushing, I'm rushing. Well, you don't have to rush. Meet us at 4.30. While you out running your errands, shop, stop, you and the kids, you and the family, stop past. We're located at 7842 Parson Drive. We worship at the City of David Ministries. We want to thank uh, Pastor Michelle and Roosevelt Limes for their hospitality of allowing us to make uh, their uh, sanctuary our sanctuary as well. You can find out more information about Liberty at www.lccimd.org. If you want to sow into Liberty, you can go on that page and you'll see the Give, the give tab. Amen. And uh, you're sowing into good, fertile soil. Amen. If God has been leading you and directing you to find a place to call home, Liberty would love to have you. 
We're a small ministry, but we have a big heart. And we're growing, and we're asking God to do the amazing, even coming out of this pandemic, to send us willing workers, send us laborers, send us people that say, God, I'm ready to stop sitting on the sideline, and I'm ready to work and function. If you have a gift, if you have a talent, if you have, if God has called you into ministry, we would love to get to know you, love to get to meet you, love to get put you to work. Amen. And so I love you with the love of God. Be blessed. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Tomorrow's Friday. Give a big shout out to my twins, David and Joshua. They are graduating. If you have kids that are graduating, please let me know. I want to make a big announcement about it on Sunday. Uh, you can email me some pictures. Text me some pictures. Um, if you're on Messenger, you can send me some pictures. It's not. It, we want to make sure that we honor our kids. Our kids have had probably the hardest of this COVID uh, 19 scared this pandemic they have gone through the hardest of it all having to do go from in-house learning to virtual learning to now being try, trying to uh, reintroduce them into the school environment um, it can be a lot of stress on a child so make sure you hug your child tell your child you love them tell your child you're there for them tell your child how much of a great job they're doing and i look forward to seeing you on sunday as always live on purpose live for purpose but most importantly live in god's purpose and where the spirit of the lord is there is liberty i love you see next see you next week or uh see you sunday and next week amen amen